Hey, Rockheads. Before we get started today, I want to let you know about an opportunity to get face-to-face with some of your favorite .NET rock stars at Dev Intersection, happening this October from the 25th through the 28th at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. One all-day workshop in particular is called Making the Jump to ES6 in TypeScript, with John Papa and Dan Waleen. That happens all day Monday. Now, this is a hands-on workshop, so you bring your own laptop. You'll learn how to convert ES6 and TypeScript to ES5 using tools like Gulp and TSC so that it can run in any browser. You'll learn about modules, classes, maps and sets, destructors, types, interfaces, generics, and many more language features. And if you register for a workshop package before August 3rd, you'll get your choice of a Microsoft Band 2, a Surface 3, or an Xbox One. Plus, you'll save nearly a grand. Hey, get it? A grand. So register now. Check it out at devintersection.com. .NET Rocks, episode 1345, with guest Tomas Hersik. Recorded Friday, August 26th, 2016. Hey, welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And uh, we've got a great show for you lined up today. But uh, before we get into that, I want to know, Mr. Campbell, what your situation is over there. Uh, you know, had finally making progress on a few things. Paint was finally finished. Some shows recorded earlier in the month. Uh, I'll be a little fumey. <laughs> mm. But uh, yeah, I started to put monitor arms and cover plates. And uh, I'm ready to rebuild some machines and wire some stuff up. But uh I'm still sort of squatting in my office in the yeah. sense that I, I'm just working from a laptop, still don't have the full rig set up, but the gear's all there, so it's about time to start rebuilding. Very cool. Months and months and months, my friend. Yeah. What was that, 10 months? Yeah. I, have you done anything to, um, shall we say, prevent another flood? Yeah, uh, have a drain line that works is a good one. Ah, good. That's always good. I mean, admittedly, it took us a long time to fix this, but in terms of like property damage, it was low. Mm. You know, all of our cabinets are off the floor. They have kicks on them. So it was only the kicks that got wet. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's their storage. And so, you know, our stuff didn't get wrecked. It's just that cutting all the walls, removing all the carpets, and then we yeah. made a bunch of changes, right? The office has been revised. The rec room's been revised. And mm-hmm. so that takes a little longer. And I went with Lumen Cache with the fancy LED lighting system. Right, right. And right. that, absolutely slowed the process down. There's no yeah. two ways about it. It took longer to experiment with a new lighting system, but the lights are incredibly cool. And we're going to have a geek out about that soon, right? Absolutely. Awesome. Well, I got something cool for you. Maybe you can add this to your toy collection. Mm. Roll the music. All right, buddy, what do you got? All right, so this is show 1345. So if you go to 1345.pwop.me... You'll go to today's product or today's whatever it is we call this thing, better know a framework. And it happens to be a product today. I remember talking to Scott Stanfield on .NET Rocks. He was one of the first 10 guests, I think. Yeah. And, you know, we had this dark realization that, you know, because uh, programming automates things and moves automation forward, sometimes the byproduct, a lot of times the byproduct is people losing jobs. And, uh, you know, sometimes 
we think in our dark places that programming would be the only job left, right? And he says, programmers and batteries, people that make batteries. (laughs) 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 And so now I give you a battery that is so powerful. And this is a, you know, basically a portable battery charger. So this is something that you plug into the wall and then it charges up and then you can charge your phones and things from it. So this is the Anchor PowerCore Plus, the premium portable charger, high capacity external battery. And it's got um, a technology called Qualcomm Quick Charge 2.0 and uh, also a a Quick Charge 3.0 wall charger. So speed is really what this thing is all about. And here's what it says. With Quick Charge 2.0, PowerCore Plus 26800 can charge compatible phones to 60% in just half an hour or provide eight hours battery life in just 15 minutes. That's up to 75% faster than a standard USB charger. So the reason that I have this is because our friend Shmuley from New York City oh, yeah. sent me a link. Hey, uh, Carl, you got to check this out for Better Know Framework. This he says, and I haven't, uh, you know, tested it myself. But he says this thing can actually keep up with the HoloLens. Oh, interesting. Because remember back when we were talking about the HoloLens, I said, wouldn't it be a great idea if you plug it into a monster charger, you know, in your pocket and then just ran a cable to the back of the HoloLens and you could actually use it all day. And boy, that was a good idea, but there wasn't any charger that could keep up with it at the time, or at least that's what I was told. Right. It actually mows down its battery faster than most chargers can keep up. Right. I also have this problem with my iPad because I, I use it for a mixing console when we when the band plays live. You've heard right. me talk about that. And even when it's plugged into a charger, it only lasts four hours or so. It, wow. it takes more power to run this app then it will take up in power. It's really interesting. Yeah, so it's really a matter of speed. And and uh, I bought one of these. I plan to test it out and test the theory with the HoloLens. So stay tuned for that. Well, you remember we did a geek out about energy storage and we talked about, you know, some batteries can discharge faster than they can charge and then mm. charging, especially in the lithium polymer battery space. It's really hard to, for the charger to know when the battery is full. Right. And if you get it wrong, you'll cause a fire. Right. So they have to have all sorts of uh, internal Smarts. tests and things to see if it's charging or not. And that yeah. actually shuts itself off. And and it's careful about yeah, how much charge it actually applies to it. Yeah. But it also speaks to, the other, the other element I think is important here is that most companies have been building char- chargers as cheaply as possible. Yeah. And now there's a wave of, I'm prepared to pay some money for a charger if it kicks ass. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, you've definitely found one. Well, this is well received. Uh, there's 586 reviews. 86% of them are five star. 9% are four star. 2% are three star. 1% are two star. And 2% are one star. So there you go. Who's talking to us, Richard? Grabbed a comment off a of show 1339, the one we did with Joseph Woodward. We talked about Angular 2 CLI. Mm. And really, I grabbed this comment because it relates so much to the challenges of doing web development, and I think part of the conversation we're going to have today. And this is from Andrew Albright, who said, uh, fun fact, Just Run was written entirely in Aurelia by one of the Aurelia core team members, Jeremy Daniel. I haven't used Angular 2 yet, but I've been working with Aurelia for the past five or six months, and I thought I would share that it too has a CLI, which is currently in beta, that handles all the scaffolding of your client application. 
I can definitely relate to the JavaScript fatigue that was mm. mentioned. Yeah. As a primarily .NET developer who moved into front-end engineering role six months ago to fill a skills gap in our team, mm. I hit JavaScript fatigue less than a month into the role, and it lasted for a full three months. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It is positively overwhelming to try to learn all modern JavaScript tools and best practices while still being a productive developer who can get things done. I totally agree. And by the way, just run is that uh, tool just dot run that uh, it's it's sort of a little environment like a sandbox for uh, letting you create gists, which are just little snippets of code, uh, HTML, JavaScript, CSS. And I know yeah. all about JavaScript fatigue. Uh, I, I set out to rewrite our whole admin site in plain vanilla JavaScript, you know, right. and while everybody was like, why did you do that? I just wanted to, I wanted the experience of doing it, you know, the hard way. And it is the hard way. I mean, every little function that you want to happen is, and by function, I don't mean, you know, programming function. I mean, every little feature that you want to add is maybe three, four, five functions if you're doing things right. asynchronously. You essentially end up building yourself a framework for that particular application as you go. Well, and in my case, I didn't build a framework. What I did was I made functions that were reusable and uh, just called on them over and over again. But you still have to have, you know, if you're doing asynchronous programming, you still have to have functions for them to return to. And, you know, if you don't want to have big uh, if statements and switch statements in your code, you really want them to be discrete. You know, you want them to be separate. So that's just the way it goes. So you you, yeah. have, you run into a lot of JavaScript, a lot more than you would expect. That if you know, especially coming from a a C sharp desktop world. Yeah, and Andrew wraps up to say, uh, tools like Aurelia and Angular CLI definitely help turn the thermostat down a few degrees in <laughs> this hell that is currently learning and using modern day JavaScript. Ha. Huh. So he's there, you know, he's starting to pick up some tools here and there to make that happen. And I got a chuckle when I said, you basically didn't build a framework. He's like, I don't build a framework. I just build a bunch of functions that I call repeatedly. Isn't that funny? What? What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea that he was going to say that, but that's exactly yeah. what you end up doing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, thanks for the great shows. You guys have been a part of my morning ritual as I get ready for and drive to work. Well, thank you, Andrew, and uh, let me send you a .NET Rocks mug. So, a .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you, and if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or via any of our social media. So, we publish every show to Facebook and Google+, and if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And definitely follow us on Twitter. He's at Rich Campbell. I'm at Carl Franklin. And uh, send us a tweet. We dodge pedestrians with him. Weird. Well, you know, on your way to work. It just came to me. Uh, let's introduce our guest today. Tomas Herseg is the CEO of Riganti, a small software development company located in Prague in the Czech Republic. Tomas is a Microsoft Regional Director and a Microsoft MVP and the author of .VM, which we're going to talk about today. This is an open source .NET based web framework that lets you build line of business apps easily without writing thousands of lines of JavaScript code. Tomas speaks about .NET and web development, software architecture, cloud computing, and other topics at all sorts of technical conferences. He's co-author of .NET Portal, the biggest Czech website about .NET development, where he's published many articles, and also the co-founder of .NET College, a 
company which hosts developer training and organizes various community events. Welcome, Tomas. Hi, I'm really excited to be here on .NET Rocks. We're excited to have you. Let's start with uh, uh, .VM sort of right off the bat. I took a look at it and it looks really great. And I love the way that your website is laid out where, you know, you write right up front. You see, hey, this is what a C-sharp view model looks like. And here's what your HTML view looks like. And in terms of the MVVMness of it, um, that's something that we should all be familiar with by now, uh, especially if you're using Knockout or Angular or Aurelia, those are all sort of, they, they creep their way towards MVVM, didn't they? I mean, in the earliest days, Angular was more like MVC, but then became MVVM-ish. And, you know, I don't even, I don't want to get into a debate about definitions and, and all of that stuff, but what's different here is the, the C-sharp view model. Is that, uh, suffice it to say, what your, your big news here is? Yeah, actually, uh, the biggest news is that uh, all those ja all the JavaScript uh, code you sh you had to write in uh, Angular or Knockout or any other technology, uh, you don't have to write it in .vvm. Yeah. The point is uh, that uh, you shouldn't spend your uh, precious precious time uh, writing uh, thousands of lines of JavaScript code, which is really boring. It actually <laughs> does nothing. It only calls some uh, REST API, takes the data and passes them to the user interface or grabs the data from the user interface as pa and passes them back to the server. Uh, I was... Uh, trying to write many, many applications in uh, Knockout uh, and Angular. And uh, this was the thing that bothered me uh, the most. Uh, thousands of lines of uh, JavaScript code, which isn't uh, yeah. interesting in any way. It's plumbing code. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me how this works exactly. I'm trying to wrap my mind around the technology. Somewhere in a browser, there has to be some JavaScript calling something. Does your does the C sharp code that you write sort of translate into JavaScript that gets sent down to the um, the client? How exactly does it work? Uh, yeah, it, it's exactly as you said. Uh, we have a view model which is uh, written in C sharp. It's your own class, and uh, the framework just uh, serialized this class into uh, this object in uh, JSON and sends it to the client. On the client side, .vvm includes knockout.js. So we just take the object, and create the view model. So yeah, we, there is JavaScript actually, but uh, we have. Uh, but you don't see it. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You don't have to write it. We have already prepared everything uh, for you. So it just takes the serialized view model, deserialize it, uh, wraps every property using this KO observable, like uh, it's the knockout uh, way of uh, how its data binding works. And uh, if you, for example, click uh, a button, we just take the view model from the client, we serialize it in JSON, send it to the server, and the function on the server is actually called. And the server is all, what, what's the base technology on the server that you're writing that is it MV, MVC? Uh, no, 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 no. It's uh, our own uh, our own infrastructure. It's okay. uh, running on ASP.NET Stack. Uh, currently, we are running on OWIN. Uh, .VVM is just an OWIN middleware and awesome. a client library. 
and uh, in a few weeks we will publish a new version of uh, .vvm which will also support ASP.NET Core. Wow. I'm getting more and more excited, aren't you, Richard? Absolutely, yeah. The, the move to core, of course, just opens the whole door. But I like less JavaScript I own. Absolutely. Actually, it's uh, no, almost no JavaScript because the whole framework, including Knockout.js, is only about 60 or 70 kilobytes of uh, minified JavaScript code. So it's, it's quite, uh, quite small and you don't have to write a single line of JavaScript code until you want to create your own controls because it, it requires wrapping up some functionality using knockout binding handlers. But unless you are not writing your own uh, complicated controls, you stay completely away of writing JavaScript code. Wow. Fantastic. Now, here's my question. Where is the gotcha? In other words, do you find I find with high level tools and you know things that abstract stuff away from me, I've found it all my life that you know it takes me so far and then I hit a brick wall that I can't uh, I can't get around and either you know it could take the form of getting an error in somebody else's code that's sort of an abstraction that I don't understand or it could just be something where the the framework or the high level abstraction just raises up its hands and says hmm i don't know or you know and then i find myself having to find the the points you know the the extension points okay where do i hook this so that i can write my own little javascript thing to do something that this isn't going to do for me Okay, so uh, the I think the main point is that uh, you can fall down in Knockout.js uh, anytime. If there is something that uh, .vvm can't do, you just uh, can uh, use classic uh, Knockout.js data bind syntax mm -hmm. in the page and it will just work. You have the view model, you can interact with it uh, using normal JavaScript approach and... Uh, you, if even if there is something you can't just do on uh, using .vvm on the server, you can call your own API and something. So yeah, it's course. not a technology which limits you only to its features. You can always fall back to Knockout.js and pure JavaScript. That sounds great to me. Are there any known places where it falls down? And I don't mean performance. I mean the ability for it to do something that you want to do. In other words, uh, how, how complete is this in terms of what we can do with Knockout versus what we can do with .vm? Mm, I'm not aware of uh, any limitations. Uh, currently, we are still missing some, uh, for uh, I think, uh, some, uh, some important controls like TreeView, but uh, we are working on it and it will be a part of the 1.1 release, which will come in one month or two. Wow. Uh, Great but, news. Uh, we have, uh, we have just uh, took uh, almost all functionality of Knockout.js. So if it's possible to write in pure Knockout, it will for sure uh, be possible in .vvm. Wow. Great. <laughs> Thomas, do I see you actually have two separate sets of controls or sort of like the native set of controls and then the bootstrap controls? 
Actually, the framework uh, contains about uh, 20, 25, not sure about the exact number, uh, 20, 25 uh, controls which are built in. Uh, it's quite similar set of controls. It was present in uh, ASP.NET Web Forms, so there is some repeater, grid. We have wrapped all uh, form controls, so there is text box, checkbox, radio button, and uh, that kind of stuff. And uh, because .vvm is open source and uh, we have spent many uh, many hours and days uh, writing it, we have uh, started building uh, a commercial control. So currently we have a pack of uh, bootstrap controls. Uh, it's uh, a set of uh, wrappers over uh, bootstrap 3 and uh, we have all those uh, widgets uh, from bootstrap covered. So we have model dialogue and uh, form groups, forms, list groups, and uh, tab control, all that kind of stuff Bootstrap offers. Nice. Fantastic. And you sell it for a whole $30, so you're not going to break the bank buying it either. No, no, no. It's just, uh, it's just to support the development. Uh, those wrappers are quite, uh, quite easy. We are also preparing a set of... Uh, controls for uh, LOB apps, a set of advanced controls for a line of business apps. It will be called uh, Business Pack and uh, we'll publish details about it uh, in uh, in few weeks. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah, that was my next question, just because CSS is the bane of a lot of C-sharp developers' existence. I'm sure you get a lot of, uh, a lot of pushback. Not you, but I'm sure, you, I'm sure you get a lot of requests for, you know, bootstrap support and everything yeah actually we are thinking about uh, creating uh, uh, our own css framework because uh, some customers reported us that they tried bootstrap for uh, line of business apps and they weren't quite satisfied they had to customize bootstrap uh, very heavily because uh, the fonts are quite big there are paddings and uh, not many controls fit on the screen uh, so uh, maybe we will be building our own framework uh, designed for uh, such a line of business web apps let's talk about the the controls that are included here these um, controls, I guess there's 20 built-in controls. Are mm -hmm. these essentially the knockout controls or are they something different? No, it's uh, it's uh, it's not uh, knockout controls. We call it server controls. Uh, it's similar to ASP.NET Web Forms, which all also had, uh, had uh, server controls. And uh, they translate to several HTML elements with uh, knockout. JS data bind syntax. So yeah. if you write uh, dot uh, colon button, it will be translated into HTML with data bind syntax, which will call some function and uh, do the stuff it should do. So it's kind of like web forms that work. Uh, actually, yeah, it's uh, this framework is uh, inspired by web forms in many things uh, it's not compatible it's not something like that you no, take no, no. your uh, web forms app and you will be able to run it on spnet core which that we will support sure. but uh, many of the principles are uh, same or very similar so if you uh, know web forms you won't have to learn everything from scratch you will have uh, for example you will know half of the features the framework already has because you use templates and things like like we did in web forms and then turned you know xaml is very template-ish yeah yeah it's a uh, i think dot uh, vvm is a combination of uh, wpf and 
or XAML and uh, SPNet web forms because we took MVVM from uh, XAML and mm. uh, we took the server controls and postbacks and all that stuff from uh, ASP.NET web forms. Wow, that's and so fantastic. And we've tried to solve problems that uh, web forms had, the view state problem and uh, so on. Well, and one of the challenges you had with, with web forms was that you ended up mixing so much code and rendering that it, it they became very difficult pages to manage. So the fact that you're applying the MVVM pattern to create separations there makes it a lot more coherent. Yeah, actually, the views uh, are much more cleaner now than it were in web forms where you could use the SQL data source and place SQL sure. commands directly into the markup. It's a nonsense. It's total break of uh, separation concerns. And every time you did that, a kitten died. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. But if the other thing I see, I, I'm guessing here, but if it's web form like, then the real question is, where does the code execute? So is this more server set, you know, the sort of modern web way these days is everything's being done on the browser and you're just fetching data from the server. Is there a bit more render calculation going on in the server here when we use .vvm? Uh, yeah, actually server uh, provides data and right. uh, renders the HTML. Right. So it it does more than it's not a pure pure web API which yep. only transfers data. It also renders HTML. Actually, we have a thing called server rendering, uh, and uh, it's because of uh, search engine optimization. Uh, right. Because if you, for example, render a table using Node.js, it's only uh, an empty table, and everything the content is created by. JavaScript. We can also uh, say that this grid view will be rendered on server, so right. that VVM will just render the table with all the content. And you can always use a literal, right? If you really want to find grain control over what goes into a div, you can put all that together yeah. in a big string and send it down. Yeah, not, yeah. not that I would do that or anything. Who do that? <laughs> oh, we have a special control for this because if you write anything in the page, it's uh, by default safe. It's by default HTML encoded. So, and there is only one special control which allows you to uh, write uh, pure HTML in the page, and it's called HTML literal. Yeah, exactly what you had in ASP.NET. Web right. Forms. Yeah. And pretty much for the same reason. But this does speak to potentially some scaling problems because the the per user utilization of servers going can be higher when you're doing rendering on the server i'm not saying it's a huge problem or anything it's just something to be aware of yeah definitely and uh, that's uh, one of the features we are planning is deeper integration with the web api you mm -hmm. you will be able to split the view model so you will have uh, you can uh, uh, have uh, only few properties, for example, filters and uh, ordering and such uh, such information in your view model, and then you will do external request to some REST API, and you will get the data for the grid view, for example. Right. So uh, it will be uh, you will be able to separate this to uh, make the server uh, less utilized. Well, or be able to share the load, right? Then I would have uh, a data farm and a render farm, and they could be scaled separately. And the page will yeah. just, you know, pull the data where it needs to, render it where it needs to, and, and assemble the, the results. So yeah, exactly. I, for, 
for me, as a guy who's done a lot of scaling, just give me points of granularity so I know where to pour more energy into it. Although, I tell you, I mean, I haven't worked on a web forms app in a long time. Or we just have so much horsepower these days. Like, I just, I don't know that's, I, I bring this issue up because it bothered me in the 90s. But today, with the amount of compute we have, I don't even know if I could make it visible in a load test that the rendering was costing us some overhead. Mm. Yeah, actually, currently we are doing some performance tests. So um, in a few weeks, we will have the data and we will really see how big is the uh, load on the server uh, right. caused by the rendering and all that kind of stuff. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is? Ah, it must be that happy time again. Yeah, it's time to invite the neighbors over for a cookout. Let's see. Got the hot dogs and hamburgers, got the chips and the marshmallows and the pickles, and about four hours worth of JavaScript books. (laughs) (laughs) But to burn? Is that where we're going, really? What's the difference between a JavaScript book and a C sharp book? The, C, the JavaScript book bur- burns longer. Burns, is that that's burns that's where we're headed? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually time to give away an Infragistics Ultimate to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. But first, let me tell you about Infragistics Ignite UI. Ignite UI is the complete HTML and JavaScript toolkit to build modern browser experiences on any device, desktop, tablet, or phone. Designed for the enterprise, you'll create high-performance, touch-first, responsive apps with AngularJS directives, bootstrap support, and Microsoft MVC server-side widgets. Check it out at igniteui.netrocks.com. All right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner is Tim Ford. Ah, congratulations, Tim. Yeah. Golf clap for you, sir. Oh, and I hear the clappers, too. Absolutely. And uh, this is uh, Ignite UI, and he just won the whole package from Infragistics, the ultimate package. It's a big pile of awesome from them. And if you don't know what we're doing here, go to .netrocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world, and every show we like to give away stuff from our sponsors, and every December... We give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of said fan club, but you have to sign up to win. And of course, Tomas, we like to ask our guests, if you had $5,000 to spend on technology today, what would you buy? Oh, uh, oh my God. Uh, last year, I've started uh, building a small world with model trains, so I would probably buy some model trains, tracks, houses, trees, and that kind of stuff. Uh-oh, what oh, scale great. are you building in, Tomas? Oh, the scale is uh, called uh, TT, tabletop. I don't know if it's uh, in America. I think it's only in Central Europe or something like that. But it's 1 to 120. Is, it, is that smaller and, than HO? Uh, the advantage yes. is that uh, it's not so so small and it's not so big, so you can uh, put it only on the tabletop. Okay. So, and if I remember correctly, HO scale is one to eighty-seven. Uh, yeah. But N scale is one to one sixty. Okay. So yeah. and you're at one right. to one twenty. So you sort of. Be- okay, that's interesting. That is cool. And it will be controlled by a Raspberry Pi. Of course, it will. <laughs> and uh, we'll have a web interface in <laughs> .vvm because .vvm also runs on Mono, on Linux, on Raspberry Pi. How cool is that? 
So um, do you have a big space where you have your trains? Uh, actually, I need only a few tables because it's quite small. So Okay. But do you plan on making it big? Uh, no, 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 no. No. Okay. Just uh, four tables or something like that. Oh, very cool. I mean, 1 to 120 is pretty pretty compact. They're kind of beautiful. I don't know if you've ever seen the Z-scale stuff. But mm. that's they that's like two fifty or something. Like it's they are little miniature works of art. It's I mean, quite amazing. But I've never seen this the TT scale. I'd love to take a look at that. So let's talk about Visual Studio support. You have a free extension for Visual Studio twenty fifteen, right? And what does that give you? Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, the Visual Studio extension gives you a complete support for .vvm, including the IntelliSense and uh, f- stuff like that. So we have a project template. You just say new project and uh, you'll select uh, .vvm application and everything is prepared for you. And NuGet packages are installed. Everything is just uh, uh, f- prepared so you can uh, so you can start. And uh, we have IntelliSense, so in the markup, if you use server control, it uh, just uh, appears in the IntelliSense. If you use a data binding, uh, we are using Roslyn to determine what properties are available in each scope and uh, so on. And yeah. we also have a professional paid version of the extension, which has more features like design time error checking. So if uh, you make a mistake in the data binding, if you reference a property that doesn't exist, uh, it will be underscored. Also, we have uh, we are supporting rename uh, functionality. So if you rename some property in the view model, it will get renamed in the markup. Yeah. Nice. Very cool. Uh, so what haven't we talked about? Is there any um, feature, killer features that we haven't covered? I mean, it seems like it's just a, a great feature set in that it's kind of simple to wrap your mind around. We haven't uh, we haven't mentioned uh, a few weeks ago. We have uh, published a new GitHub repository, uh, which is called .vvm Dynamic Data, and it's a re-implementation of ASP.NET Dynamic Data. So, if you like data annotations, mm. all those attributes that will help you to automatically generate your user interface, we have it also in .vvm. Automatically generate your user interface. Yeah, you just uh, say titles for each property in your uh, object and okay. you can specify the order and uh, all that kind of stuff. And the UI is scaffolded, uh, but uh, not uh, on the design time. It's scaffolded in runtime. Scaffolded in runtime. So you don't have a lot of um, modification options then. Uh, actually, we are thinking about uh, adding scaffolding at design time, but it's not ready yet. Currently, it only works in runtime, but it's extensible. There are many interfaces you can you can uh, re-implement, or just you can uh, you can just uh, inherit our implementation and uh, change it or extend it with uh, your own features. I suppose if you're CSS savvy, you could do just about anything with it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So do you see this getting to a place where like this would be a deployable app or is this like a starting point for something you would then get away from the dynamic part and, and tweak it up into a production app? 
you can uh, you can easily combine it. Uh, it it can be deployed in production, and you can easily combine it with uh, your own parts of application. So if eighty uh, percent of uh, the tables are similar and uh, are easy and simple, you can just generate them, and the the difficult twenty percent you can write on your oh, own. And it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's deployable in production right now. So, um, I'm, I'm not really familiar with all the things, all the things that Knockout can do, but, uh, one of the things that, um, I'm interested in is doing these hybrid things like being able to accept files and upload a, a picture by dragging and dropping onto, uh, a div, for example, and then taking that on the back end and sending it to a, uh, uh, an Azure blob storage container. And, you know, these are the kinds of things that these integrations that we have to do all the time that involve not just JavaScript and HTML, but backend stuff and, and, you know, integrating with the UI in interesting ways. And I just wonder how far, you know, how, if that is something that's possible to do and customize and make it look the way you want it. Okay, so in that VM we have a file upload control. I'm not really proud of uh, the implementation of this control because for the reasons of browser compatibility, it uh, uses iframe, which is uh, positioned by yeah. CSS uh, somewhere uh, off the screen. Mm. Uh, but uh, the rest of the control is quite easily uh, CSS styleable, so you can uh, make it uh, appear as you as uh, you can make it look as you need, and. Uh, we have integrated this into the MVVM. You have to use a special collection in a view model and uh, each uploaded file gets an ID and you can use this ID to pick that file. And uh, there is uh, also an interface which uh, can store this uploaded file directly to blob storage or anything else that you will implant. And it can be a, a big file too. Does it upload in chunks? Uh, currently, we are not uploading in chunks, but uh, we have started working on it too. Yeah. So we will be able to uh, create uh, some uh, ultima- uh, some recovery if uh, the internet connection falls down for yeah, a second yeah, yeah. or something like that. You should be using Poly then. We should talk about that. That's good stuff. Uh, what about uh, .NET Core? So I obviously originally built this for regular for regular .NET, but uh, you're moving to core. Are you seeing any differences? Was there any particular problems making it work on core? Uh, actually, not not many problems. Uh, we have we will we will have uh, two uh, both versions. We have already started with the idea that someday when .NET Core is out, we will be ready to migrate it easily. So we haven't uh, used anything from System.Web, which is not on the .NET Core. We have started with Owen and uh, the API was changed. So we had to do many refactorings and uh, changes. But uh, currently, if you build .VVM from source codes from the .NET Core branch, it already works. And we are now just uh, doing finishing touches and testing. And uh, soon we will publish a NuGet package. There will be two NuGet packages, one for Owen, one for ASP.NET Core. Nice. And right. uh, the only thing that will be different in your application is one file called Startup CS. Only the mm. bootloader of the application will be different. The rest will be exactly the same. Wow. What about building mobile web apps with this? 
we have uh, we have tried and uh, we will need to do some uh, it works on mobile devices without any problems uh, because knockout.js uh, is a very tiny library so even the loading times are not uh, a big issue but still we are working on some bundling so it will be even even faster great uh, to load and perform fantastic so can I go one step further and take my client and make a Cordoba app, a native hybrid app out of it? Uh, currently, I don't think it's uh, it's possible. Maybe, yeah, maybe you can uh, create a Cordova app uh, and uh, point it to some URL on the internet. So you will have to be online. But uh, we currently, it's not prepared to... Uh, pre-generate the HTML files and uh, include them in the app. So uh, not not yet. But uh, actually one guy was uh, working on this. So we have a tool which can uh, statically generate the HTML output, but it's not, it's far, yeah, you're uh, working far on from uh, production usage. What's been the response when you talk to .NET developers who are in the Angular camp or, you know, doing a lot of JavaScript stuff or using a framework. How's it been received? Uh, actually, uh, most, of, most of the people uh, told me that it's uh, quite of, uh, an interesting idea. And uh, for during the last year when we started uh, talking about this, uh, we, found, we have found many people which uh, started contributing to uh, .vvm and working on uh, using them actively in the projects. And uh, I think most of the people, especially the .NET people, are uh, quite happy with this. And uh, here in the Czech Republic, there is uh, a, lo- a big group of uh, web forms developers uh, which were quite disappointed that web forms won't be uh won't be working on uh .NET core yeah. and dot vvm will be and it's quite similar so uh, they i think uh, they are uh they are quite happy about uh, about it so when i think back to web forms that i was doing you know the, a lot of people were very happy that they could just drop a big grid on the form and without a whole lot of code you know, press some buttons on the server, boom, 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 styling and editing and all of that stuff just happens. And, you know, they, they got really spoiled by that. And uh, I think that maybe uh, prevented some people from jumping into the whole, you know, doing JavaScript frameworks and everything, because it just isn't that easy in reality. How, you know, is there, are, is there anything that you're doing at a very high level to, and you said something about generating code, but... Is there any really high-level stuff like that that uh, people can look forward to? Um, actually, yeah, I have I have many plans uh, to even make uh, the development even more simple. But uh, currently, I don't think uh, I have uh, anything uh, anything to say about yeah. uh, about this. <laughs> I will. I would like to have. Uh, it sounds weird, but a visual designer, so you could. Uh, drag and drop the controls but uh, i'm not sure if we can do it uh, so well so the result won't be just dreadful so yeah and you know even when we had the visual designer in web forms and we were using it it still was nothing like that original you know visual basic experience of 
drag and place controls just because it is a perfect example. And I've said this many times before in the past, but admittedly it's been a few years the, you know, when you're, if you take a table, right. And you put a table on, drop it on a designer and now you want to tweak it, whether it's the, the spacing and all of that stuff. And now it would be a div of course, but you just sort of hover your mouse up around the, the top corner and pixel by pixel, the, the tool is changing from, you know, move down, move left, move right, resize the whole thing. I mean, there's just, it just doesn't work all that well. Yeah, today, it, uh, I think it's no way today because uh, everything has to be responsive or yeah. at least to work on different resolutions. So I can't imagine uh, such simple design, simple to use designer as it was in, for example, VB6 yeah. or in uh, WinForms. But um, maybe we could, uh, maybe we could uh, do something uh, else. Uh, something that, uh, that only you could combine some widgets. For example, you will place grid on the page and you wouldn't define how it will look like. It will be done by some uh, front-end developer using yeah. CSS, but you will only say what will be included in the page in what right. order. It's at darn WinForms. We've had all of Spoiled. us old devs that had that experience of using the WinForms designer. We just miss it. Yeah. We're kind of ruined. Nothing else has ever had a designer near as good. Yeah. And we keep trying to get back to that. Yeah. And I'm not so sure that's a good idea either. I mean, if you take a look at what it really did to the, to these developers who embraced ASP.NET web forms and then, you know, oh, the, the way forward is, is more JavaScript and all of this stuff. And it right. became a, this huge learning curve for a lot of people. That's why we have things like Knockout and Angular. To take that, but but still, you know, I'm not so sure that a pure designer is the way to go. I don't know. Maybe I'm just cynical that it probably couldn't ever happen. I think that HTML and CSS is uh, CSS is so complicated that uh, it's almost or maybe completely impossible to create a good designer. Yeah. I kind of, yeah. I kind of agree. Yeah. Well, in XAML too, right? Same problem. We finally get these tools so flexible; it's just not reasonable to build a visual designer. Right, and nor do we like that. I mean, all of the visual designers that I've used in Visual Studio through the years, where XAML is concerned, I'm like, ah, eh, I'd rather have control at the XAML level. I'd rather be in yeah. the text. Yeah, it's just fair. easier. All right. So, should we talk about testing? Uh, yes, we can. Uh, we have uh, the biggest advantage of uh, .vvm in uh, comparison to web forms is that uh, it's MVVM, so you have testability. Yes. View models are your own objects, so you can create instances, set properties, call methods, and verify that it behaves as it should behave. And uh, not only that, we are planning also to create a simple framework which will take your page, discover all the controls you have uh, created on the page, and it will create a, a stop class for Selenium. So you will oh, be able nice. to just call methods like uh, fill first name, fill last name, click submit button, and uh, it will uh, do the job using Selenium. It will be uh, You will be able to test it in all browsers. 
It's not it. ready, but uh, we have uh, we have started working on this too. I like your philosophy of okay. Now that we've simplified taking a lot of this JavaScript off the table, now we can sort of make these integrations that allow you to just uh, you know use things like Selenium and and use uh, tools that you're used to using, but making the whole process easier. Uh, it's because the .vm is so high level. Uh, we have our own parser, so we can exactly tell you what's in the page, what controls are there, and it gives you more and more uh, nice features, which will uh, make your life easier. So, in talking about future versions, I know you don't want to give away the farm and uh, you know tell us everything that you're working on. You've already told us a few things that might be in the next version or a future version, but are there any things that are either so far off that you're working on that uh, you run no risk of uh, divulging any secrets or, or something very cool that, you're, that you want people to experience in the next version? Um, actually, I have uh, nothing uh, nothing like that to announce. We have uh, many ideas. We have many issues on GitHub, which uh, contains information about these proposals and things mm. we are considering. But uh, And uh, I think the goal, the end of uh, the point I want to get is uh, maybe we could uh, create something like a light switch based on .vvm. Interesting. Interesting indeed. But it's uh, it's a work for several years, so it's very far future. But uh, it's the way I want to uh, I want to go. Okay. Will we uh, see you presenting any conferences, uh, Thomas, where we can actually see .vvm in action? Uh, currently, I've scheduled uh, in uh, October. I will be speaking and at uh, .NET Developer Days in Warsaw, in Poland. And uh, I'm now communicating with some people to uh, talk about .vvm and on other places. But currently, the only scheduled is, I think it's uh, 19, 20, 21 October .NET Developer Days in Warsaw, in Poland. Right. Wow, excellent. Well, this is awesome, Thomas. I'm blown away by this. Incredible stuff. It is incredible. And I wish you all the luck in the world. And hopefully, you know, people listening will... Uh, not only download and use it, but possibly contribute. I'm hoping they will. Uh, I hope too. Uh, the Visual Studio extension is free, so we can download it and start playing with that VM. And definitely tell us what you think, because uh, we need three things to go further with dot VVM. Feedback, feedback, and feedback. <laughs> nice. <Great>. <laughs> Tomas, <laughs> thanks very much. This is incredible. Thank you. Thank you too. All right. And uh, we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Pwop Studios a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got
by the FCC, yes, I'm a, a dog. 